0: In my podcast, I will bring you interviews with not only these people, but also prominent local people who have helped shape the Hamptons. Welcome to Dan's Talks. My guest today is Lloyd Lewis, a corporate executive who has one of the most fascinating life stories I've ever heard, and so been a longtime friend of mine who I met many years ago. And uh, I think uh, it would be good to start with the fact that you have a new book out, which once I realized that you had done that, I thought to myself, well, of course you would do that. And few people have had a life as interesting as yours called, Why Should Guys Have All the Fun? But what I want to ask you about was, this is a second book from your family. Uh, The first one was very similar, and it was called, Why Should White Guys Have All the Fun? So tell us about the first book and how that, Came to to be, and then we'll talk about the new one. Um, you're from the Philippines, a, a small city, uh, to what about an hour by plane from Manila. Talk, tell us about it.
1: Yes, thank you, thank you very much, Dan. And what an honor for me to be part of your dance talks. I know we have known each other since we were in East Hampton, many, many, many years ago, many decades ago. Yep. And your question is, how did it come about? That there is a book, Why Should White Guys Have All the Fun?
0: I think that's a good way to start this. How
1: Reginald Lewis Created a Billion Dollar Business Empire. Yes, as you can see from my accent, I'm not born in the United States. I was born in Sorsogon, Philippines. And my father, who was orphaned when he was 12, his mother sent him to live with a rich uncle who was very entrepreneurial. And so from modest beginnings, my father became very successful. He became an entrepreneur and we had a movie house named after me, Loida Theater. That is the name of the movie house. And I became a lawyer because that was his dream for me. And when I passed the bar, he sent me on a round-the-world trip to be with my sister at Columbia University here in New York. And that's how it happened. Mr Lewis we met on a blind date and that was it the end of my dream i fell in love married him hold up had the, book. the children and mr lewis when he bought this billion dollar company international beatrice beatrice international foods 64 companies in 31 countries for almost 1 billion dollars the first black man to do that that's when he started to write the book why should white guys have all the fun (laughs) so i've been doing that for the past 25 years and in his book why should white guys have all the fun i'm only chapter six so after 25 years i said hey time to have part two and that's when i wrote the book why should guys have all the fun so that's
0: the story i'll segue into that I first heard about you before I met you by because you and Reginald purchased one of the largest estates, if not the largest estate in the Hamptons, in in the Bell Estate, which was Mr. Bell's old um, home on about 200 acres in East Hampton. Then there, you were there sometime, I had not met you, and then there was a fire, and the place burned, and... Um, and the next time I ran into you was uh, at the uh, top of what's now the, uh, well, it was then the Pan Am building. And you were, had a book party for a book you wrote about how to immigrate to the United States uh, from the Philippines. But at the same time, your husband had passed away. And tell us about that and what happened.
1: Well, as I said, we were on top of the world. Mr. Lewis, was in the 9 West 57th Street for the Beatrice International Foods that he bought in 1987. And so we started to live in Paris. Five years, we were on top of the world, living in Paris, having this Georgian state, the Bell Estate in East Hampton, having a Fifth Avenue apartment, and, you know, having his own private jet. And Five years later, Mr. Lewis had brain cancer. And from the time of the biopsy, in three weeks, he was gone. And you can imagine, then the grief and sorrow and shock yes. that I had. It was totally devastating. But, you know, I am glad that I am Christian, that I am Catholic, because I never lost faith that God will not abandon me he will not leave me orphan and so during the time it took one year for me to recover myself and after that after I sort of okay what 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 do what what do I do and you know for my two daughters I will be both mother and father to them for the company after interviewing five different men Naturally, all white, naturally, except one Latino Puerto Rican. All of them were asking for a lot of money, which is good. You know, it's a billion dollar company, two billion by the, I mean, asking for a lot of money, so which is okay, a CEO. But none of them would assure me that they will make it successful. All they could say, I'll try my best. And so when I decided, when I was thinking to myself, what if it fails? And then I'm pointing to them, why? Why did you do that? So I said, three fingers are pointing at me. Take ah. responsibility for the company. And yes. you are responsible, Loida. Take responsibility for yourself and the family. So if it fails, your fault. You don't have to point to anybody else. If it succeeds, that means to say you had the wisdom and the discernment to choose the right people around you to help it make it successful. And so that's why I
0: took over. I remember going to the, uh, uh, I guess the first day or so of your being in the, in the offices in a big office building here in Manhattan. And they had a Philippine shaman, I think. And he uh, he he was blessing the premises. And I thought, this is a billion dollar company and more. And uh, Loita is... So let's see what happens. So what happened?
1: <laughs> what happened is that I dismiss 50% of the corporate staff
0: yeah.
1: because, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's common sense. You don't have to be a, an MBA, a PhD if you're intern. Because Mr. Lewis died, a strong leader died. 50% of our business is ice cream. And in 1993 summer, it rained in Spain. And France and Germany and Italy and the Canary Islands and in the northern states. So our expen our income was down for that year. Mm-hmm. The worst recession in Europe. If your income is down and your expenses are up, simple common sense.
0: Right.
1: Reduce expenses, increase income. Right. And so that's what I did. So for the first year we were I I dismissed half of our staff our uh, corporate office, Tyne West, was 35,000 square feet. So I negotiated with the landlord and we went down to 10,000 square feet because I dismissed and gave very generous um, termination pay to -hmm. all the executives, to all the report staff. Mm -hmm. And so on the first year, we already had not in the red, but 1 million. 1 yeah. million net profit. Second year, 9 million net profit. Third year, 11 million. Fourth year, 15 million. By the fifth year, I started to sell the, the, the different companies. And I yeah. got by in seven years, I increased sales by 2 billion. And then when I started selling each company that we had, I got back 1 billion. And paid all the taxes.
0: So, uh, how how did you find the courage to do this? You were, I know you you were trained as a lawyer in the Philippines, uh, but to go from that to uh, in a state of shock and mourning to take over a business of this magnitude, how did you find the courage for it? Maybe it was ingrained in you in some way.
1: Yeah, when I got myself together and there was a board meeting, it was very clear to me, I should take over. And how did I find the courage? Well, I know myself, I was raised by entrepreneurial parents. My father was a successful businessman. My mother had her own, uh, drug store. So I wake up in the morning. My father is going out, buying shrimps, buying fish for breakfast. And I, you know, he's making deals. How much is that? 100 pesos. Oh, that's too much. You know? i making deals is nothing new to me. And I was married to Mr. Lewis for almost 25 years. I've heard him talk about deals and things like that. Sure. So I am a lawyer. I am not intimidated by papers. You know, right. I hire a lawyer, but I know it myself. And fourth, as I said, you know, I have faith. You know, I have faith. I it, I can do it. You know, I have faith in myself. I can do it. But I also know that I cannot do it alone. I need people who are good and bright and better than I am. Yeah. So after I dismissed those that I know I cannot work with, I I hired Ray Glover as my general counsel. He was my boss when I was an administrative assistant. I I kept the taxman of Beatrice organization because Mr. Lewis always said, you know, He is the best taxman, and that is Carl Brody. I kept the CEO of Beatrice International. He's been in the business for 17 years, so he knows it like the palm of his hand. But all the rest, CFO, I dismissed the CFO, and I hired Peter Offerman, who was the banker that gave Mr. Lewis his first deal, uh, the McCall pattern. So all of the people that I chose, I know. And I know that they will respect me as the CEO. So that's how I did
0: it. I want to talk about two things that I think would be interesting. One is the tour that you were scheduled to go on with your mother and your sister. This was your dad had a lumber company and a furniture company, I believe. And he was very wealthy and and raised you and your sister. She was uh, your younger sister and he was telling you that you should be a lawyer and come help work for him when you grew up, and so here here was this uh, gift that you went you embarked upon with your mom and your sister, and describe that for a few minutes and how what, what you where it went and what you did before things happened that changed everything.
1: Yes, my mother and I, because I passed the bar, you know, I took the examination. I passed the bar and my father was so happy because his dream, he wanted to be a lawyer, but he went into business and he wanted to go into politics, but as a businessman, you don't go into politics. So all that dream was in me. Mm -hmm. So he said, all right, as a gift, go around the world, wait for your sister, she's graduating in June, go to Europe and then back here and I'll start your career. And his career is not for me to just be company lawyer, his dream was for me to be in the politics because when I was seven years old, he created, I mean, he built a movie theater in our town, Loida Theater, so that all over the province that i am known, my name will be known so that when I'm ready to run for public office, name recognition, Loida for governor. Whatever. <laughs> so that's his dream. So when we came here, we arrived in September.
0: Where did you go it's before good- you came here? On on the tour, where did you... On
1: the tour, oh, we went went first to Hawaii, and then San Francisco, and then Las Vegas, and then Washington, D.C., and then New York.
0: And then from here, you were going to go to Europe.
1: From here, wait for my sister, we'll go to Europe, and then back to the Philippines. So it's almost like, you know, uh, one year, a one-year tour, because after that, I'm going to politics. (laughs) <laughs> First company lawyer and then politics. Yeah, And so that was laid out for me and I, I got it. Eventually, I want to be a senator because there was a woman who was head of a women's university um, and she became secretary of public of human services, secretary of welfare. Human, and then she became senator, Senator Le- Benitez. And but I said, you, oh, that's, the, that's
0: what I'm going to be. Oh, but when you got to New York, you paused your trip. I, I was reading the book and you decided to stay there instead of a short time as in Las Vegas and California. But you were going to stay there because it was so fascinating for uh, most of a year. And then go off to Europe. And it was during that time. So you got a job. Where did you work?
1: I got I got a job because I'm very practical. September yeah. to June is six months. What we like to do in six months, you, all, you can only watch so many Broadway shows, you know, go shopping, and, and I, you know, I'm I'm not a shopper, so I said I might as well work. And on Village Voice there was a, uh, ad, administrative assistant, so um law student, civil rights research council, civil rights, that's good, and that's when I sent my application. But I'm very practical. If I write lawyer in the Philippines. I, they, they, you know, you need an administrative assistant. You didn't need a lawyer, so I lied a little bit and I said, "Law student, second year."
0: <laughs> so if
1: you're a law student. You know, fine, come in. And I got hired, law student, Civil Rights Research Council, Ray Glover.
0: And what I what I read was that you you wanted to introduce your boss to your sister when she came. And, uh, and then uh, he said, I have a friend I thought, maybe we should go out on a double date. And that was Reginald, who had gone to Harvard and business school at Harvard, and was embarking on this dream. He wanted to become ex- uh, were the wealthiest black man in, in America, and he succeeded. And then it got st- it stopped, and ended. So let Lona move on. And then this whole other thing unfolded. And what, what I also wanted to ask you about was, because I know, because I've been to your house and you, you live oceanfront, you bought the, the Mankiewicz, uh, these were people that owned movie theaters in Manhattan, and I knew them. And uh, you bought their property, which is maybe 30 acres in Georgia, right on the ocean. The Bell Estate property had burned. And so what, what attracted you to East Hampton to want to continue to be there? And, and well, what? you
1: know, we the very first time Mr. Lewis won a big case, we had a house in East Hampton in 78, mm-hmm. 1978, three bedroom with George Sosa as the architect. And so we were very happy there. And then when Mr. Lewis did, made, made the big time, sold his McCall pattern company for a 90 to one return, and then he bought Beatrice International, we found the Bell Estate. And so we were very happy there. So when it burned, we were saying, should we go to Italy, Martha's Vineyard? Why? We love Isantan. And so we rented for three years. And it was at that time, Mrs. Minskoff, because by that time, Mr. Minskoff had died. So Miss, Mrs. Minskoff said, put this, her house on the market. And that's what Mr. Lewis said. There it is. Because in 1960, 1972 or something like that, Leslie was seven years old in 1978. Mr. Lewis bought this house, three bedroom in Hampton Waters. And with his Mercedes 450 top down, they would go around East Hampton and stop right in front of Lillipan on this bellist, it's called the Mrs. Minskoff. And Leslie said, there is Daddy Warbucks. So since 1978, we have figured that out as Daddy Warbucks. So in 1990, when our house in Amagansett burned down and Mrs. Minskoff put it up for a property, Daddy Warbucks, he made a bid and he was over, overbidded by David Geffen. So he said he can have it. And then Mr. Lewis died. So in my mind, that's the property. And that's what I bought when it became available.
0: So, what uh, what do you enjoy most about being in East Hampton? What, what's, uh, what's the attraction for you?
1: Well, first of all, on this state that we call Daddy Warbucks now, <laughs> you're right in front of the ocean. And we are on the highest dune. We are the highest dune on Pond, and, and so we have You know, I sold half of the property that I bought because I had to pay down the mortgage to J.P. Morgan. But we still have the original um, property, the original set of acres, six acres, from Maggie Minskoff, from whom I bought it.
0: I know, it's absolutely beautiful and windswept.
1: Yes, exactly. So you can be as private and as public as you want. And so during the COVID, that's where we retreated. And I was able to be with my grandchildren, the um, Christina, my younger daughter, you know, Calvin and Sasha, and the baby, Macy, she was born during COVID. So we call her the COVID baby. So that's why I like, and and also, uh, you know, you're just surrounded by nature, you know, walk on the beach, uh, swim on the pool, and, and 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 you know it's a special place, and I'm so glad that the board of trustees of East Hampton Village has set a very strict rules on building. Yes. No more than on on Main Street, no more than two stories. Yeah. You cannot change anything. The the most small town image of East Hampton remains like that.
0: So your book is um, why should guys have all the fun. And I've been enjoying reading it. And uh, I it actually uh, available and published or is there a release date? I know I got a copy of it. So it's out.
1: It's been out. Yes. I wanted it out in March. And it came out in March because that's Women's History Month. So many I've been going around the country talking about it. And many women I want them to realize that just like me, an immigrant doesn't speak English too good, meaning to say, my accent is not American. But when a challenge come before you, when an opportunity come before you, don't tell yourself, oh, I'm not ready. Or, oh, I might fail. Or, you know, maybe next time. Because the opportunity might not come again. So I'm telling many of the women, people of color, even men, that when an opportunity comes, look at the opportunity and take it. Because it may not come again, because you will never be ready. Nobody is ever ready for something like motherhood, fatherhood.
0: Yeah. You
1: learn as you get along. But as long as you have, you know, you have your goals in front of you, you stick by a code of ethics, and you have the tenacity to do whatever it takes, because failure should not be an option, more or less you will succeed. And well, if I, you fail, tomorrow is another day. You know, tears may flow in the night.
0: Well, I but think the we should, comes in the morning, we should end the podcast on that note. And I want to thank you, our neighbor. We live about a block apart here in New York City.
1: Yes, exactly. <laughs> so
0: we'll be in touch. And thank you for being on my podcast.
1: Thank you very much, Dan, for having me. Bye bye. Bye bye.